We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome into the Rotowire College Football Podcast. John McKechnie, Mario Puig, getting the band back together, if only briefly. Yeah, I'm going to need some time. I wasn't given any notice of this coming back, so I haven't been looking at college football stuff. I thought I had uh, another month at least before I would need to look at that stuff, whereas John has been uh, living in the the sewers for the past three years. I'm in there. Uh, pouring over all, all these details that I've left behind in the past couple of years and i mean to get caught up soon but it's going to take a little time but for now i can kind of uh you know get in the way at least for a little while before uh, gracelessly making my exit and potential return maybe a little bit later on but yeah basically the gist of this for the listeners is we will be doing these weekly they will be coming out on wednesdays and once the season gets underway we'll be doing uh 
DFS and season long specific talking players that we like for for the upcoming week and then we will also be doing uh, some gambling so lines that we like over unders uh, that sort of thing but uh, with, with you know what you just said Mario let's just kind of get into the the general kind of bare bones if you're starting out trying to get into college fantasy football uh some things to to take note of here so what what in your mind i mean you gotta maybe go back in your rolodex a little bit here but what did you find as as like your kind of key strategies key elements that you were looking for when you're doing uh season-long college football well i think it depends on year to year like the player pool your your basic thing is you want to try to get one of those really insanely high scoring guys like at least one of them because there's you know a D- Derek king or the kyler murray's the jalen hurts is this year perhaps those guys it, it, you know if you've only played nfl co- uh, nfl fantasy football and not college you might not be prepared for the kind of scoring that happens like it's it's a uh, every week looks like those nfl leagues where they have the ostensibly wacky bonuses and in college that just kind of happens naturally because yep. you'll have guys who you know run for 300 yards or whatever and uh it's it's tough to go against one of those 40 point guys and even if you have a well-constructed you know uh roster that's balanced and full of value picks it's like you kind of need to get that insane shrieking production somewhere and you don't have to get it the exact same way but uh the the yearly player pool can help point you in a particular way because i mean back when i was doing this stuff it was like case keenum or somebody would be the first pick until case keenum was done and uh maybe it would be justin blackman after that but uh we know that some players in particular are going to be the highest scorers and um you know certainly the rankings on the rotowire website uh they're they're gonna have uh and in the the magazine article about the college football uh fantasy season coming up identify some of the highest scores um but otherwise i mean you got to keep in mind the schedules for where you don't spend up in the draft because you can find you know a 30 point player even if he's not high in the rankings specifically you can find some point in his schedule maybe where you know he's playing William and Mary this week and so the starter like the the top line guys are not going to be playing all 60 minutes well there's that to consider but it's like if you get uh you, you can find you know based on the matchups you can find certain players who are likely to outperform their normal production levels if only for a week or two so you have to you kind of have to correctly evaluate evaluate your roster and know where you've got your studs and where you kind of had to go a little cheap in the draft and if you go cheap in a particular area you just kind of need to have a plan to find you know the guys who can give you something that you need there without you know spent without costing as much as your other studs so uh yes it's i know that's vague basically but it's um you know there's there's not one uh plan every single year that translates the same way it's like you kind of have to adjust to the conditions when they change yearly yeah i think you know with, with what you're saying there um i feel like if you're going you know quote unquote cheap at, at a certain place and f- first of all like tight end generally just 
I don't worry about it until later because there's really only a handful of good ones. But like if I'm going cheaper in a, in a spot, I, f- I tend to find that receiver can be a little bit tougher to project on, on a year to year basis. And guys tend to ascend in a way that maybe you wouldn't have expected during the during the projection part of the offseason. Um, so I find like a guy who enters the year as a wide receiver three wide receiver four on a on a good offense, maybe he can kind of take the steps forward. You know, last year is a, is a good example with Oklahoma State. I think everyone was pretty sold on Dylan Stoner kind yeah. of t- t- stepping up and taking over, you know, maybe not one to one the production that James Washington was posting, but certainly uh, everyone thought he was going to be the number one guy. And then uh, Tylen Wallace just kind of explodes, um, has an unbelievable year and, and kind of you know leaps himself into this category now where you know he's on nfl radars for for this upcoming uh receiver class it's extremely loaded we have him projected as our number two uh overall wide receiver in terms of production uh this year at 234 fantasy points so yeah with those early picks i mean to be more specific about how you find those shriekingly productive guys it's like you want to find usage certainly and then ideally you know a talented player in a good offense so as far as that usage and the talent goes someone like jonathan taylor really stands out at wisconsin because i mean that's this is an obvious thing to point out because he has two thousand yards basically in both of his first two seasons but like that's an unusual case like this guy who is both insanely efficient and he gets the atypically big workload that's a, that's the kind of person that can work as your your foundation of your team and then you know you don't have the same quarterback upside as the person who takes Derek king in the first round um but you can find you know especially when you identify uh the up-tempo offenses and the rushing uh quarterbacks that's one way you can catch up there because that sack yardage and college football being subtracted from the rushing total can kind of uh, perhaps unfairly hurt the pocket passing types who don't run to make up for that sack yardage um so that's that's one way you can kind of money ball the quarterback position playing you know looking for guys maybe in that kind of like 25 to 50 range who you can expect them to run against a bad defense and if you get a you know, rotation that has nice matchups when the other one you know goes into a bad matchup for a week you can kind of go cheap and make it work there but uh that principle works at you know any position if you play it right like you can find um you know back back in the day it's like wake forest would average three and a half yards a carry but if they played some fcs team their starter you know he's going to get 20 carries every week almost every week he does nothing but this one week he'll do something you just have to spot things like that and be flexible and prepared to kind of adjust really quickly because it's a shorter season you don't have time to wait on things to you know balance out like the the uh, regression or the statistical corrections that you're expecting even if they happen it might be too late to matter yeah so yeah you gotta you gotta be able to and, and someone like to go back to the blackman example he was basically undrafted like some people knew he was a sleeper i don't remember who the other receivers would have been on that oklahoma state offense but after week one he had like 190 yards and a touchdown or something it's like you got to get that guy because you know week, week two you're just not going to get a chance to get those players and and if you were waiting on your sleeper who who didn't you know nothing in week one instead of going with the guy who appeared to be you know the breakout unexpected breakout it can just be too late you don't have as much of a window to think about things yeah exactly and, and you know i think that 
that point in terms of like the, the waiting and the patience and it can be tougher when you spend really high draft capital on somebody that's immediately, you know, stumbling out of the gates. Do you, do you expect the, the statistical correction to, to happen? Like you were mentioning there, I think Khalil Tate from last year is a really good example of that, where he was consensus. Number one, I don't care who you asked any college fantasy football pundit was just, you know, Tate. And if you said someone other than Tate, you're just kind of being a hipster, you know, jackass contrarian type. And then Tate comes out and obviously he was super electric in 2017. Like it, it was a warranted uh, tout for him being the number one guy, but he comes out last year, sprains the ankle is never really quite the same. The Kevin Sumlin offense doesn't really mesh with uh, his particular skill set doesn't really utilize him as a rusher as much. And that's where a lot of his production came from the year before. So he turns into this passer and through the first five weeks of the season, he has a grand total of 69 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns, which is something that you would have expected maybe midway through the third quarter of his first game. Yeah. Tate's season last year was truly one of the worst of ever, or not worst, uh, but most unexpected yeah Yeah, it was just there was no basis at all on from the previous stats to think that that outcome was even remotely possible like if you had seen before the year like he khalil tate's gonna run for 308 yards in 2018 you would have said like oh my god he broke his leg in week two yeah um but that's not what happened uh there's only so much we you can do in that particularly unlucky scenario like basically everyone who took tate uh, they had to either be insanely smart with their other picks or everybody else in their league had to screw up a bunch for them to have a chance because that pick is usually a guy who's like 35 points a game kind of thing. And for him to just give you more like 22 or whatever it was, it's really difficult to make it up, make up the distance when you basically take a zero for your first round pick. So, um, but yeah, if you, if you didn't adjust to it as far back and as unlikely as you were to catch up, you definitely wouldn't have caught up if you, you know, waited that one out for six weeks or something. Yeah. So, so I think you bring up the good point of just urgency and and how quick things can change and, and how much like ADP type of stuff can evaporate the second that, um, that the games actually get started. Um, I want to get into, to system, uh, discussion as well, you know, so what you want to identify teams, especially a lot of like the, the, group of five teams the ones that you're not going to find on the yahoo game but you can find on on fan tracks the full 130 uh, fbs team menu um so i think looking you know if you look at a quarterback that plays in in an air raid type offense that runs a ton of plays last year for example east carolina was a really good example of that like they were a terrible team. They were not good whatsoever, but that meant that they were playing from behind a lot, and they were they you know their they never philosophied. They, yeah. ne- they never huddled. They were always looking to throw it. Um, they they ran eighty four plays per game, which you know compared to you know again if you're making the the jump from NFL to here, where teams in the NFL run what like an up tempo is like sixty probably sixty five or sixty six is up tempo there, and in college football that's got to be like ninetieth out of one hundred and thirty or yeah, something. I mean, that might even be generous. Yeah. So, so, um, so East Carolina really, really up tempo, and and with that, there is a there is a section of games in there when this when the, uh, this guy uh, Holton Allers, uh, their quarterback, when he was healthy and when he was running this offense, he was putting up insane production. Like in terms of just the the bottom line, mostly the rushing, right? Yeah, the rushing the rushing was really good in terms of like the the touchdowns uh, that he was putting up. He also threw for eleven touchdowns in the, in this. Uh, 
in this five game sample that I'm talking about. So not, nothing crazy, but um, certainly useful. Um, but the underlying stats were, were concerning and that, that's where you want to try to find stuff that maybe will tip you off to, to some regression because in terms of his actual like per pass stuff is pretty mediocre, like under seven yards per attempt, completing just just over 50% of his passes. So a lot of it, a lot of the production was just empty calories. And a lot of it was based solely on just the sheer volume that East Carolina was running this year. East Carolina gets rid of Scotty Montgomery. They bring in a coach from the FCS level at James Madison, a total powerhouse at the uh, FCS level. But uh, looking at their uh, play totals from a year ago, they're running about 68 plays per game. And this is an East Carolina offense that I'm sure that the, the new coach, I think is Mike Houston. Um, he's yeah. going to kind of, you know, concede a few things. I don't think he's going to just turn this team from a, from a track team into this power rushing team overnight. I think in time that will happen, but um, to expect that ECU will be running 84 plays again, 84 plays per game again, let alone like a 75 or something. Um, I think that you have to recognize that that's going to come with a lot of regression as far as the the outputs that a guy like uh, Holt Naylor was putting out this past year. Yeah, definitely. And also with that guy, I mean, not that I know the rest of the East Carolina depth chart, but that's kind of a risky category of player as far as the actual quality of his play like you're banking so much on just the usage being huge that not to predict this specifically but that's the kind of guy who could get benched if he doesn't improve coaching staff yeah and it's like you can't complete 48 percent of your passes in a spread offense that's ridiculous it's like if he was running an i formation play action offense would he complete 38 percent because those are the easiest kinds of throws to begin with and you're still not even over 50 percent i don't know that's a it's kind of sketchy i know that the whole east carolina team was cursed and he was a freshman last year so he could get better but um that's a lot to take and uh in terms of risk and i I don't know maybe the adp by now already has uh someone like brandon wimbush way ahead of him because of the uh derail mac injury but that's one case where it's like you've got the system to believe in too like it's because it's the same system as the previous year and because it's like the guy you've already seen him do certain things and it's like he's he of course wasn't that great at notre dame but it's a lower level of competition at ucf yeah, uh, huge experience advantage that. you know they don't have anybody else they can turn to because the first two guys are hurt so that's like one case where you might look at last year's numbers and some of the some of the summer off-season adps and i think you could get the wrong impression about like the actual range of outcomes of those two players like I would definitely take Wimbush and not think twice about it. Yeah, and when it comes to Wimbush, I mean, especially if you're looking at ADPs for the whole summer, I think if you adjust it to, what, July 8th, July 9th, maybe when when the Daryl Mack news came out, it'd, it'd paint a more accurate picture. But, yeah, I think if you're looking at, like, a full summer ADP, you know, make sure that you understand that um, he was being drafted in behind Daryl Mack, and, and people were mostly, like, hedging at, at a sort of a later part of the, of the draft that they would normally go in if they were the clear-cut star because it wasn't clear uh, which one of those guys was going to win the job. It looked like Mac, I thought, fit perfectly. I was kind of surprised that Central Florida took on a guy like Wimbush. I mean, he is a talented player in, in his own right, especially by Central Florida standards. Um, but I, I felt like Daryl Mack would have been an easy answer. Like, I, I would have been fine with him getting the start with, with Milton out for the season. But now Central Florida looks really smart for, for bolstering uh, their depth and getting a guy like Wimbush. Yeah, I mean, it's an offense that asks a lot out of the quarterback in terms of ball handling. So there's 
injury risk with something like that and uh, mac was more developed as a runner than a passer so maybe they specifically had concern about this scenario happening i don't know um but yeah that's just it's like one of those things where wimbush is kind of like a his brand has fallen off quite a lot in the past two years and uh this ecu guy maybe a hot brand and maybe people are saying things like when he did that as a freshman imagine how good imagine if he completes 52 percent of his passes um etc whatever um but yeah it's 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 uh it's important to have an accurate clear-eyed understanding of the circumstances that a player is playing within and not just with the schedule but also you know the the coaching and and the tempo and kind of pass run splits that they're likely to run and to be fair this james madison coach maybe it was only 68 plays a game because they were just blowing everybody out and maybe if they had more competitive scenarios maybe it would be more like 75 or something but scotty montgomery ran it at just like breakneck pace and it's just going to be hard for anybody to match it even if they wanted to right so the so no matter what that there's going to be some regression in terms of the play volume and with that um, unless Ehlers takes this immense leap in in terms of his development and his efficiency which again like you said isn't completely out of the realm of possibility he was just a freshman last year but uh there's also the case where you know he doesn't have the cachet with with this current coaching staff to where if he's tanking this offense the way that they want to run it they're not beholden to him and as far as the less obvious high upside guys that you might find i think one example of a situation you'll want to monitor is uh ongoing competitions because I'm, I'm trying to remember like i feel like there was a i have a good one for you if, if you're if you're blanking well i was going to say like boise state this year because chase cord particularly shows a lot of running upside and whoever starts for them is probably going to be very good like the I, the odds of a boise quarterback failing are they just seem almost impossible to me um but yeah it's like boise there's three guys i forgot the freshman's name and then uh, there's ba- hank bachmeyer awesome oh there name. we go and yeah unmistakably uh huge recruit for a mountain west school like a right guy, it's a really legit. tough situation to call because it's like he's probably the best prospect of the three but then they got the un what is he not unlv uh th- what is the other the third one's name who's who's kind of like the redshirt senior of the group um i'm forgetting off jalen something maybe getting off the top but yeah anyway it's jalen henderson yeah jalen henderson and then chase cord uh so it's like each of these three has their own angles in where it's like uh henderson has the experience cord more experience than the true freshman and more talent probably than the eldest of the three but do they go with the two veterans or do they go with the young one who's supposed to be the best in a year or two it doesn't it, there's no obvious answer to that question but in the last couple rounds of the draft uh particularly since the guy you're drafting anyway is is liable to get cut when just some other opportunity pops up after week one um you might as well spend it on somebody who has big upside at that point and that those boise state quarterbacks it's like if if cord is named starter he could be like a colin klein kind of producer and yet no one's got him in their top 10 or anything right now because it would be crazy to do it no one knows enough but um those are the kinds of you, you want to find those like really good uh situations where there's otherwise a lack of clarity and you capitalize on the hesitation from everybody else yeah and it's it's just like you because it's a negligible cost in the first place um you might as well f- look for scenarios not where you can like find some floor late but one where it's like well what if this happens and this happens and if those two conditions are met 
does this p- player profile as like a 30 point player in cord's case it's like definitely and probably for the other two even yeah wow i'm gonna i'm gonna be thinking a little bit harder about about uh, some boise state quarterbacks in the end game because that is a good point and that's a, that is a situation where i'm, I'm calling you're know, kind of calling out myself here and saying that because the the picture is so muddled especially in the drafts that i've done to this point uh fall camps are right around the corner so we'll we'll start seeing some more clarity in the near future but like you know going into the summer at no point was i like oh i gotta i gotta target a boise state quarterback but like you said they are kind of like an institution that that whoever wins that job is going to be a producer and it's like if you get the wrong quarterback uh, out of the the boise state question like you're probably cutting that pick anyway just because you're like oh this receiver had a big game in week one and he's on the free agency wire and i need one and so it's those you're always going to cut somebody after week one you might as well make the player at that pick someone who in the off chance that things go right would give you a big payoff that you otherwise you know couldn't easily spot outside of the first few rounds and make your league mates mad when they check the waiver wire and see that you already have them right yeah so it's like and no one's it's like no one's gonna care no one's gonna be like aha you took uh jalen henderson you idiot and it's like you know it's like it was it, you're picking up someone that they want in and that you're, case you're so effectively just like say like it's like a, a, a placeholder like you, you're saying that you're picking the boise state quarterback that you like of the bunch yeah it's almost it's almost like the uh the zero rb strategy in nfl fantasy where you're picking you're you're just like amassing running backs that aren't good and no one thinks they're good but if the person ahead of them gets hurt then you have a starting running back and uh it's you just you gotta think about cases like that where you know at, at low cost uh risky situations you know if it goes bust it doesn't matter uh but if you can put yourself in the position to be lucky there's that's an actual like skill it's like people who have a lot of luck in fantasy sports kind of do a good job of putting them in a position where luck is more likely to find them yeah exactly because they because they're prepared and they, they go after the the out the potential outcomes that, that are going to pay off uh the most um one other quarterback battle that i think could you know pay off a lot for, for fantasy purposes well there's there's a couple of them um oklahoma state certainly being one of them but <clears throat> those guys aren't being drafted as if they're sleepers but um, i think a lot of people like spencer sanders and i like him a lot too so there's not like a whole lot of value to be gained but i think a lot of people are having trouble figuring out wake forest uh situation because sam hartman pretty encouraging early on then he faltered then he got hurt then jamie newman uh comes in he's a little bit more athletic than hartman as, as a runner um but also pretty pretty efficient as a passer just as good if not better than hartman was as a true freshman last year also wake forest runs 85 plays per game and they still have the same offense so you can expect a similar amount of of tempo and volume from this wake forest offense and i think whoever wins that job um, i think newman would have the higher higher ceiling as far as fantasy goes i think hartman can maybe make wake forest a little bit better overall but they're both good i think they can both lead wake forest to an an eight win season uh with it with a kind of down acc but either way uh basically my my point being that uh that's a that's a quarterback battle to keep in the back of your mind because whoever wins that one uh is going to pay off pretty massive uh fancy dividends yeah that's that's a tough one because yeah both of those guys had really nice seasons last year at uh under class levels too so that's a, that's a tough one that could be uh that could be one of those where it's um you know the loser basically transfers or something like that maybe not i don't i don't know what the the wake situation is, is specifically like these days but yeah that that's a good example of another offense where it's like 
you know it's going to have aggregate production that's really big so it makes sense to to look for shares in that place especially if it's uh you know at a reasonable cost it's like there's only so much we can know when we make some of the picks that we do and starting at a place where you know the pie is big is a good uh you know baseline to look for i think so too so that that kind of wraps it up as far as like the fantasy you know kind of fantasy 101 for for college and then again uh if you're playing on yahoo they have a great game we we run the projections for them uh they are power five only plus notre dame so like about a 65 team uh pool so obviously twice the size of nfl but about half the size of what uh, your college football league could be fan tracks and and a couple other sites offer the the full uh 130 and that that's always wild that's where you get the the teams off the beaten path that you can find you know like like in east carolina a year ago and that also incorporates a a school like houston where the number one fantasy player in in all the land is is playing in dr king yeah so also in the the rotowire college football section you can uh, split things by uh conference so you can you can check the boxes for the 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 division or not uh, conferences that you include in your particular league and uh you know filter it on that basis instead of having to uh go in with without any sort of guide through the the gigantic uh underworld that it is as a whole yes yes so that that is a really useful tool that we have and we also have great stats with including target volume we have the team trends so you can see um who you know who was garnering like a, a high market share of, of their team's targets or carries from a year ago. And that can be useful if that production has been vacated uh, to some extent. So like LSU losing their, their number one running back from last year that had a pretty high share of their rushes. That means that there's a lot of carries open. And then the, the main guy that was also playing there last year, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, pretty average talent. So that, that sort of leads me has been like kind of like the opening signal as to why I like John Emery as the guy to like take over and be the leading rusher at LSU this year as a, as a true freshman because there's a lot of carries up for grabs and he's clearly the best runner on that team. Yeah, and when you're talking about the free agency pickups that you make after week one and those 20th round picks that you're cutting to pick these guys up, one way you can find that next uh, opportunity at receiver or tight end or whatever is just looking at those target totals because I know back when I was doing things, whatever, 10 years ago we didn't have target numbers so you'd have to just look at the the you know raw box score of just this guy had this many catches this many yards and nowadays you can see maybe the uh you know more signal basically because it's like oh this guy had three catches for 40 yards this guy had five catches for 90 yards and a touchdown you know back in the day and even now a lot of people are going to pick up that 90 yard touchdown guy even if the guy who only had three catches actually had you know twice as many targets but you want to bet on that kind of usage not to say that you know whatever happens in week one happens every week from that point but uh just you know if you need a tiebreaker or something in your evaluations like that target count cannot can a lot of the time lend some insight into how the team plans to use those players in a longer sample yeah exactly it signals that the role and the the volume and and the emphasis of that player in that given offense Um, so let's talk a little bit about uh, gambling strategy before we uh, roll out here Um, so gambling or sports betting is obviously growing across the country more and more uh, states are, are legalizing it so 
betting is a much bigger part of, of what I think we do as, as a company at Rotowire. And, you know, part of it's, you know, like it or not, it's going to be part of our focus. And I like it a lot. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. So um, there were some intriguing uh, team win totals that, that I uh, fired on when, when I was in Las Vegas a few weeks ago that I wanted to, to share uh, with the public and, and leading off um, and see what see what your insight on on this might be but uh tennessee a uh, team that struggled last year did not make a bowl game is still kind of like airing out the stench from the butch jones era a little bit but even uh, now yep but six six and a half was their implied total um the sec obviously plays uh three non-conference games uh and you know so two of those are going to be uh gimmies for tennessee and then tennessee plays in the east so that's much better uh than playing in the west if you're if you're betting on them to hit the over on their win total and i'm just expecting tennessee uh to be a team that that takes a pretty significant uh step forward this year i could see them being closer to an eight win team than i do uh them being a six win team how much of that is based uh specifically on the schedule that you looked at and how much was it more like just looking at the trajectory of the program um i think it it was the schedule like helped but it it was more just what i think of this program and and, you know i I pay a lot of attention to recruiting and jeremy pruitt's a great recruiter he's their head coach uh they brought in a new offensive coordinator and jim cheney i know him well from you know him being georgia's offensive coordinator the last three seasons um so i mean i think he does a good job of at least uh, getting the most out of the, out of the run game, the pass game can be a little bit iffy, but I think Tennessee has you know pretty much all their returning uh, production on on offense and a lot of it on defense too. So there's a lot of experience uh, going on in Knoxville. I think according to Bill Connolly's uh, returning production metric, only Western Michigan had more returning players okay. uh, with like actual roles uh, than Tennessee. So Tennessee number one among Power Five schools in in that. Uh, specific category so i think yeah year over year uh experience can can usually help especially in those like 50 50 games the one possession games that usually you can kind of you know the pythagorean expectation that you usually go 500 in those one possession games i think that can nudge tennessee in the into the win column and a couple of those and kind of help get them uh, over that six and a half hump yeah more more generally um on, on that that was a good point to raise about returning experience that's always something that's really good to keep track of and we bake that into our season-long projections but um we can't make we can't uh you know make the game by game projections and then add them up for our season projections it's more like we have to kind of uh understand that we can only know so much uh, about a week-to-week basis but in the week as it arrives you'll have more information to, to know where the teams are at specifically. And it's good in my, when you're looking for those kinds of uh, edges on a weekly basis where, you know, it's not an obvious stud player, but you might get a big payout from them. It's good to know something like, you know, Tennessee is playing uh, whatever uh, South Carolina this week. And this is just a hypothetical. This is not uh, numbers that, that are true, but it's like, if you see that South Carolina only has, one returning offensive lineman starter from last year like even if they're running the ball really well even if they're not giving up many sacks going into that game and then you know that the team that you're considering has let's say nine of 11 returning starters on defense especially a lot of guys in the front seven that's one of those points where you know the projections wouldn't necessarily be able to foresee it 
but it's a good situation or it's a good uh there's good odds that this is a situation where the numbers will uh kind of progress or regress to what will be the mean uh two months from now like these these are where like the new trends emerge um because yeah the experience advantages are really huge um home field advantage of course matters a lot and you'll want to keep track of uh the number of games that teams have played in a number of days because you know rest and fatigue really do matter um yeah play into the psychology of the matchups too yeah those like weekday games where you know some team played last saturday the other team had a bye like that's something to to make a huge note of yeah so that's how you get these things where it's like this six and oh team that's kicking everyone's ass so far uh ends up getting upset to whatever the two and five team it's like if that if that first team is playing its third game in whatever uh, 18 days or something and this one's coming off a bye and they're at home and uh something like that it's like the i don't know what you would call it but uh there's definitely like the psychology of uh things like letdown weeks too where it's like they're they're looking ahead two weeks because that's when the big matchup everyone actually cares about is so that's stuff you'll want to keep in mind if you're doing like week to week game betting um but yeah otherwise it's like uh yeah i I wouldn't know how to speak on the uh the season totals to this point but yeah john uh keeps very close track of the recruiting stuff and that's the kind of stuff that uh you know you can't really put a projection on it but generally if if the coach is getting more talent and if they're decent at deploying it it's like there will be a kind of just rapid progress in the program at some point and there there's almost like no better example of that than, than like a rondale Moore from from last season because like that's not a that's not a school that brings in blue chip guys very often and they were right. kind of they were able to pull him pull it off uh getting him uh signed i think he had offers from texas i know he's from louisville uh originally i know jeff brahm has roots there obviously he knows that knows that recruiting footprint that must have helped him um, yeah. but you know he was able to pull in rondale Moore, and it's one of those situations where if if a guy comes into a school and he's the best recruit that they've had in a while and you could maybe even make this case for hank bachmeyer the the boise state quarterback because he's as in terms of recruiting pedigree so far ahead of what they usually have to work with then if the coach is smart and you know not overly beholden to you know like this senior uh who really kind of isn't that good but he's he's been around for a while if you want to win games you get your best players on the field and that's what happened with rondell Moore week one of last year and he you know he had his coming out party uh that thursday night to kind of in a in a not quite a standalone game but i mean everyone was watching that game and everyone was like who is this guy yeah so it's uh it's pretty rare that you get that kind of talent uh like uh recruiting prestige uh team prestige disparity like yeah, in the yeah. purdue rondell moore case so uh that's that's where you want to like f- that's where you can find some unlikely uh young guy production like if they're just uh on a team that they're just basically overqualified to be on they can they can get the, the coach's attention that way uh not to put you on the spot john but did you happen to look at any week i know there's no uh there's not many over unders or, or uh team lines yet but uh my thought that miami and florida yeah seeing 50 and a half and uh actually i'm seeing unreliable numbers on this cover thing They're, they got two entries with different numbers on it fun. um anyway uh yeah I, I guess they don't have any week one lines up but I'm, i'll be eager to see some of those because uh that's that's got to be like the toughest time of the year i feel like to to get those over unless there's just like some totally big miss in uh the calculation like if if which is very rare vegas doesn't miss as a general rule um so it's that's going to be interesting to look at i if 50 is that number it's like 
Miami has a good defense, right? And, yeah. and Manny Diaz is back uh, as their head coach now. Uh, I think they have a decent amount returning on that defense. I know they lost a couple guys to, to the draft. Um, so that could, you know, keep Florida's offense from, you know, putting up, lighting up for like 30, 35 points. Uh, Florida's offense in its own right is kind of average as far as power five schools go. Although Philippe Franks had a, had a nice uh, season last year when, when you look at the, at the bottom line there. So, and that Florida also has a really good defense. So that, that 50 number, it's, it, the more I think about it, the more it sounds right. Um, so I, what do you I don't think, think there's like a huge edge to be gained there. What do you think about uh, Cincinnati favored by three and a half at home against UCLA? I think, I think that could be a trap and I'm like the, like UCLA's number one hater. Um, but yeah, cause it's just like Chip Kelly. I mean, I know he's, he, he alienates people with his just, in, just really weird, insane behavior, but it's like, that's a lot of recruiting capital to just bet against two years in a row. And you also don't really want to bet against Chip Kelly for a long sample in college football. Like whatever his issues, it's like, he, he just isn't dumb. You like, know, like, you know, I, I called the, or my prediction last year was that UCLA was going to be four and eight. I think they were three and nine. Um, and, and I thought that they were going to lose to Fresno State, so I got that right. I didn't foresee them getting hammered by by Cincinnati in, in that opener. It's crazy that uh, like an athletic department like UCLA has agreed to a home and home in football against Cincinnati. But here we are, and we're we're going to the Cincinnati leg of this. Obviously, Nippert Stadium, kind of a crazy stadium. Crazy things can happen there. But I thought that UCLA, for all their warts that they have, and for as much as I'm, I'm not a Chip Kelly guy in, in the year 2019. They can run the F out of the football with Joshua Kelly, and, and they have some talent at quarterback, and I think that overall they should be able to cover that spread, even even as much as as good as Cincinnati was a year ago and how terrible UCLA was a year ago. That confluence, I think that it could be a bit of a trap uh, just saying that, that Cincinnati's favored in this one by three and a half. Yeah, so to, to be clear, there are a bunch of um, spreads available, not many over-unders available. Um, but yeah, we'll have to, or I guess you and perhaps Nick will have to look into those things in the upcoming episodes yeah, because uh, there's a, once, especially once you get some of those projections done and you can really like bite into some of these things, I'm sure you'll see a lot to think about. Yeah, definitely. So so those those week by week ones and specifically that that soft week one or, or the week zero, however you like to say it. Uh, those lines are up. Uh, like you said, the over-unders should be up soon. So we'll, we'll be diving into that a little bit more as the podcast. I know one that I want. Oh. Okay, so uh, North Carolina State, uh, because we're hating on what's-his-name so much, the East Carolina quarterback, mm-hmm. uh, they were favored by 20-and-a-half. North Carolina State was. The line's down to 18-and-a-half. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm on the hate wagon for, for what's-his-name. Yeah. I, I can't even learn his name. I hate him so it's much. Allers, Ailers. Yeah, it's sailors. Whatever it is, we'll soon forget it. Is why I'm not bothering. That's right, and that's why the, the pack replacing ten year quarterback Ryan Finley, they're going to cover those eighteen <laughs> points. <laughs> I forgot he's a that the the quarterback like extreme dad quarterback is is gone um do you know who's replacing them there uh they have a they have a pretty muddled battle they don't have a lot of talent though um so they got three or four guys i think in pretty tight contention i I think that that's one that uh doran probably isn't going to announce the winner until maybe the week of that's always fun day of yes to be serious don't put any bets on north carolina state i am not being i'm not taking this seriously it could be a good idea but not because I said so. Yeah, if you buy our our displeasure with ECU, then then you will you will make that bet. 
proudly. Uh, some other over win totals, over-unders that, that I put down in Vegas before we run out uh, here. I, I like Syracuse over 7.5. Seven I like Minnesota over 7.5. That one's a little bit riskier, but I think that the way that they played towards the end of last season gives a glimpse into what P.J. Fleck, Fleck does recruit. And yeah. He's so obnoxious to me, but it uh, seems like he's really good at this. He does. Um, and then Utah – under nine and a half wins uh, i thought nine and a half was a bit rich for for my blood even though utah plays in the decidedly worse division in the pac-12 and the pac-12 as a whole kind of weak so i mean the, the there is an understandable path to seeing them only lose twice but i think i don't i don't cast that much faith they're kind of a them. weird team because they have I, like i did the pac-12 projections and their defense looks like it might be insane like it looks like it might be like top five ten in the country kind of yeah. thing um and they got an okay quarterback situation, but Zach Moss is a really good running back, and they're talking about how they're going to give him just like 25 touches a game when his knee kind of still seems like a bit of a concern. And yeah, I'm wondering, like, year. what are they going to do if they can't give him the ball that much? Like, there's no obvious star backup running back, and Britton Covey is just destroyed, so he's not going to be like some kind of receiver. I don't think he's even going to play in the first month or something like that. Oof can't remember what the reason was but he's got a bad situation but uh yeah if their offense might kind of uh certainly at the least put a large burden on the defense even if the defense is ready to take it right so so that's also you know something to, to monitor and that, that is a really good point utah's defense is going to be good so maybe a lot of unders will be hitting in, the, in those <laughs> yeah i would contests. bet on unders because they're also getting what's his name from vanderbilt at offensive coordinator and he's probably oh, going to dial back the tempo a bit andy bernard it's not Andy Bernard, but it's Andy Ludwig. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's that's a that's that's a good thing to keep in mind. I, I haven't run any studies or anything, but I would imagine low tempo plus good defense correlates to some kind of hitting the under. Of course, Vegas keeps track of that stuff when they make the initial number, but uh, you know, if if something looks a little off, that's a, a a tiebreaker kind of thing to keep in mind. Low tempo and good defense can just make a bit of a quicksand game for everyone. For sure, for sure. So bear in mind that and, and all the low t- low tempo, good defense, uh, run first uh, type of offenses, type of squads out there. But that's going to wrap things up for our return episode. We'll be back again uh, with another one uh, next Wednesday. Mario, really appreciate you uh, jumping yeah, on. Yeah, sorry for being on this and uh, making it bad. But. <laughs> no, no that, w- that was really good. I, I appreciated it. Um, so we'll get you back on a little bit later on, maybe maybe a little bit closer. After uh, I go to my hyperbaric uh, college football chamber 20, 20, 20 leagues beneath the sea yeah it'll be it'll be back at some point the uh, the original squad yes but until then you guys will just have to deal with me uh, talking about college football and uh, you will like it but you will also be able to hear the rotowire nfl podcast with mario and i and you can also listen to us on sirius xm uh, every friday and saturday but for mario i'm john mckechnie thanks for listening to the rotowire college football podcast Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? 
Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.